All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 76 and the football season is officially over. It is always hard the next couple of days because I kind of contemplate what I'm going to do with all of this extra time uh, and that's probably just looking at mock drafts and free agents and and of course watching the Cavs that always falls in there as well but uh, it's kind of sad when it ends because of course it's nice to have more free time but uh, I love football season so much there's there's nothing like it over I think it was 112 million people tuned into the Super Bowl this year, up 14% from last year. Uh, pretty incredible numbers. So I think the rest of the world feels that way too, that there's something really special about football and football season. Uh, it's it's the king. It's the king of everything. So sad that it's over, but do want to talk about the game a little bit today. Talk a little bit of Brown's off-season stuff. Um, first of all, though, before getting into that, have to say a couple things. Jared Allen is finally an all-star. Very late uh, to the game, but uh, nonetheless, he deserves it so much. I was disappointed in the first place that he was not selected, but uh, with uh, more injuries piling on, James Harden not playing, uh, Jared Allen got to take his place. And luckily, James Harden was going to be on Team LeBron with none other than Darius Garland and... So that means Jared Allen will be on Team LeBron with Darius Garland, which is so exciting. I don't know if any of you had the chance to watch the draft selection with LeBron and KD picking the the all-star teams, but it was highly entertaining. Uh, I love that they put it on the day of the trade deadline because it made it for some interesting drama. Obviously, everything happening with James Harden and Ben Simmons trade, uh, that made it interesting for Kevin Durant to be on the screen that night. Uh, And I think my favorite part of that was watching the two of them fight over who was going to have Darius Garland on their team. That was really the only guy they had any argument over or uh, asking to trade was, was our guy DG. So that is, you know, that is the prophecy. That is what everyone expected. And uh, just it's pretty awesome to see the respect that he gets. I, I've said it before on this podcast because I've, you know, heard from many different articles and interviews of respect that guys across the league have for Darius Garland. Even uh, last season, Steph Curry was talking about how Darius Garland was the real deal. And I think in terms of shooters that you want to hear from, uh, that's one you would love to hear from, uh, that your guy is somebody. So uh, I'm really, like I said, just so excited for Jarrett. Uh, excited that they're going to be on the same team and excited to see them back with LeBron. It, it, I don't know, LeBron might be chirping in their ear a little bit about uh, some thoughts of returning to Cleveland uh, and that would be the time to do it. So wouldn't be surprised to see to see that happen. But um, yeah, super pumped. All-Star Weekend is here in Cleveland this weekend. Uh, I will be around town, not going to any of the events but um, or any of the actual games, but Um, will be in the city. So it should be really exciting and there will be a lot of people here. Uh, A couple other housekeeping things before I get into a few topics. Um, I was on a few podcasts last week. So if any of you want to go check them out, I was on the OBR film breakdown with Jake Burns, who does a a really great job breaking down the Browns. Um, We did a lot of wide receiver talk on just what we have, free agents, um, and just 
draft a little bit too. So just everything revolving around that position. Uh, and then I was also on the Bark and Brown show uh, last week. So definitely go check that out as well if you just are dying for some more content of me talking about the Browns on on repeat and screaming into a void. Um, but yeah, that's it for those couple housekeeping things. Let's get into the Super Bowl first. Um, before I talk about the actual game, have to say halftime show. Incredible. One of my favorites I've ever seen. Um, I was just smiling from ear to ear the entire time. It was kind of fun having that many um, people participating in it. Usually it's it's one lead and then maybe a, a supporting someone comes on stage for a song or two. But it was fun having that many uh, performers out there. So I, I enjoyed it so much. I, I haven't seen every halftime show ever, but uh, I think it was the best I've seen and from recent memory or of the ones I'm thinking of. Um, so that was super awesome. In terms of the actual game, didn't feel like it was that exciting of a game. Felt like it was a it was a hard-fought defensive battle in a lot of ways, not a lot of exciting offensive momentum. Um, felt like when the game started, the Rams were kind of going to run away with it. Uh, OBJ looked really great, and then once he got hurt, the Rams' offense really struggled to get things going, and I think that was because uh, the Bengals' defense did a great job of covering, doubling up on Cooper Cup, obviously, uh, so that left OBJ pretty open in a lot of um, a lot of circumstances, so he was able to get the ball a bunch of times in that first quarter and a half before before he got injured, unfortunately tearing his ACL again, uh, which is, has to be pretty brutal mentally. Uh, so I think the Rams offense really didn't have an answer for a while after that, up until that last drive where they were, were able to get a score um, and secure the win for them. You know, the Bengals didn't even feel that explosive offensively either. Um, there was obviously that 75-yard bomb to T. Higgins, uh, but that play I'm still skeptical on, just considering the obvious face mask that took place in that play. Uh, so the Bengals really got a free play on that. That ended up in a touchdown. So I do struggle when Bengals fans are complaining about the officiating from the end of that game, although I understand it was very weird that the refs decided to start throwing flags in the last three minutes of the game. Um, I do think that they need to recognize that they did get a free touchdown. So that was kind of a big deal in making a difference in the game. But I mean, I get it. If I was in that position, I'd be complaining about uh, those flags at the end of the game too. That was definitely kind of strange. I think the refs just uh, were disappointed they didn't get enough attention and needed a little bit more <laughs> and just uh, wanted to throw that in at the end of the game. So um they, yeah, their defense played pretty incredible. Obviously, the number one issue that is continuing with the Bengals is their offensive line and their protection for Joe Burrow pretty much being non-existent. Um, I don't know how he was able to, for the most part, stay so healthy this season. Obviously, in the Super Bowl, he did have a bit of a knee injury, I believe. He was knocked up a little bit. I think they said today that it's not going to be anything too serious, requires a little bit of recovery, but it's not going to cut into the offseason all that much. Uh, he did continue to play on that injury, but obviously it seemed like it was affecting him in some ways for the remainder of the game after that happened. Matt Stafford was a little bit banged up too. I think everyone's just holding on by a thread trying to make it to the end of the game, but 
the Bengals are going to need to correct their offensive line issues. I think that's going to be a priority for them going into the draft and potentially free agency as well. Uh, So that'll be interesting. A couple things and topics that have come up since the Super Bowl and just from the Super Bowl in general. Um, One, which I find to be super interesting, something that I didn't think about too much before this, but the question that many are posing is, is Matt Stafford going to be a Hall of Famer? Uh, And I think that's an interesting conversation with the way football has changed over the year and the way quarterbacks have been able to play in this league in the last decade or two. Um, Matt Stafford right now has been in the league for 12 seasons. He has one Pro Bowl and now one Super Bowl. Uh, Obviously, context matters there. He was on the Detroit Lions for the first uh, 11 seasons of his career, one of the the worst franchises in the league. So that obviously affected his ability to have postseason success, but uh, he's definitely known for putting putting up big stats in the regular season, regardless of uh, the talent surrounding him on his team. I do think this is an interesting conversation, though, because there seems to be a lot of quarterbacks in the present day that people feel should be going into the Hall of Fame. And I don't think the Hall of Fame can just be uh, a bunch of quarterbacks. It's a lot easier to have success as a quarterback in terms of stats now than ever before in the NFL, just in terms of the way games are called, in the way offenses work now. Uh, Records are going to be broken every single year just because of the way the game has changed. And that's going to make a lot of quarterbacks maybe look a lot better in comparison to quarterbacks from past eras. Uh, So it is hard to say um, if they're more deserving because it's almost a different game now than it was before. And I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation um, at a ton of different positions because it's so hard to judge. Uh, that's like how running back was so much more important in you know eras decades ago than it is now. Um, and so things look different in that way. Uh, and that's just the, the reality of it. But um, I think for me at this moment in time, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, He obviously still has a couple seasons left in him, so it'll be interesting to see what other postseason success he has. And I shouldn't say he definitely has a couple seasons left in him. I'm not sure what Matt Stafford is going to do with the rest of his career, but um, I'm assuming he's got another, I don't know, four or five seasons in him. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to have some more postseason success, maybe get a couple more accolades. Um if that resume improves a little bit. Uh, But for me personally, at this point in time, it's the Hall of Fame. I just don't think that what I am looking at in those accolades and stats is a Hall of Fame career yet. Um, Doesn't mean it can't be, but for me right now, I just think we're, we're not there yet on that conversation. Another big topic that has come up from the Super Bowl is can the Bengals repeat the season that they just had. Uh, A lot of talk right after the game of people saying, incredible season for the Bengals, they'll be back, they'll be back. Uh, And I think we are overestimating how easy it is to make it to the Super Bowl, because it's not. It is incredibly hard. Some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the history of the game and the greatest teams in the history of the game don't make it to the Super Bowl more than once. It's really hard. It's so much has to go right for you. There's injury luck. 
There's just pure luck of the games of sometimes a ball falling the right way so you can get an interception that leads to that win. Uh, Sometimes it's a kicker just making all of every single field goal that he tries, uh, and that's really hard to keep up with forever. Not that I want to doubt Evan McPherson, but um, most people aren't 100% forever. So uh, I think there's a lot that went right for the Bengals in the postseason in terms of their matchups, and they're still in a tough AFC North. I know that the AFC, AFC North was not what it was supposed to be this season. They were just brutalized. All of all teams were brutalized with injuries this season, no more than the Ravens, um, who are a very talented team, a very consistent organization. It was a tough year for them. The Browns, ton of injuries as well. It was really hard to have a successful season. Steelers had some injuries, and obviously it was just it was a tough year for them with Big Ben being what he is now. Um, and they just, they struggled across the board in general in that way. But um, I think it's it's unfair to say that it's just going to be easy for them to be back. They are in the same conference as Josh Allen and the Bills, as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, as same division as Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Um You've got Justin Herbert, another young talent there with the Chargers. It's going to be tough for any AFC team to make it back to the Super Bowl. Um, so I think it's it's not going to be as easy as maybe some people think it is, just because of how incredibly hard it is to even just get there one time and how much has to go right for you. So I'm not willing to jump on this. The Bengals are going to be back there every single year. I think Joe Burrow is so talented. I think he can help teams overcome so much and um, really masks and covers a lot of deficiencies they have in their offensive line and other areas of their game. He he is a guy that you win because of, and I think that's incredible. I don't think that means that he's going to make it to 10 Super Bowls, but um, I think he is an incredible player that I'm very nervous to have in my division for, for years to come. So that's been an interesting conversation because I think when people say Bengals are going to be back, I think Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, they have some words for for that. Okay, another topic coming up from the Super Bowl, Eli Apple. A lot of trash talking before the game and in the previous weeks, a lot of trash talking. And obviously, then he was eating his words uh after the game. And I think that's just an interesting conversation with social media and players in general is if you're going to put it out there, you have to be able to take it when you do not live up to expectations or you fail in some way. Uh, Don't dish it if you can't take it. So uh, I just find it interesting uh, that they get upset when people kind of return that trash talk when when they fail. Uh, And that kind of is, is happening right now with Eli Apple. So I thought that was interesting. And the last big topic from the Super Bowl, OBJ. So obviously I kind of touched on this already, quarter and a half in the game, injury, torn ACL, very sad. I can't imagine tearing your ACL once, but to tear it again and just envision the months of recovery that are ahead for you, that's just got to be, got to be so tough mentally. And um, it, it was unfortunate though, watching the game because of the way the broadcast discussed OBJ. So 
I don't hate OBJ, okay? I, I like him, and I was sad for his injury, and I'm happy he got his ring, but I am disappointed in how the broadcast kind of made OBJ the victim of the situation in Cleveland. They said things like, Cleveland threw him on the street, they ran him out of town, and I think that is just a complete rewriting of history. Um, I'm sure there is blame to go around with a lot of people in that situation, whether you want to put some blame on Baker or the front office or OBJ or whoever you want to put some blame on. I think that's probably factual. I think there's probably blame to go to a lot of people. OBJ's dad, you can put some on him. Um, But I don't think it is fair in any way to say that the Browns, you know, threw him on the street or ran him out of town or any of those things because that is simply not what happened. Um, I think the front office worked with him uh, once that video came out to make it easy for him to be able to go to any team that he wanted uh, and they didn't make a big fuss out of it. And I think that um, that's rude and disrespectful and a complete rewriting of history to throw the Browns under the bus like that. I know people like to do that because it's easy and it kind of just flows right off the tongue for a lot of people to throw Cleveland under the bus. But I think that's extremely damaging to our organization to continue to do that when our front office and the people there seem to be the best we've ever had and to make it seem like this is, you know, the old Browns uh, is is wrong. And it was it was unfortunate to hear because look, I'm not here to say how anyone should feel either way about the OBJ situation. I know people have all kinds of feelings about it on both sides of who they think was right and who they think was wrong. I, I still to this day, am not, I'm not sure exactly who to put more blame on. Uh, I do know that you see on social media, all the players still love and support OBJ and very much are happy for him seeing his success. So I don't think they're you know, completely blaming OBJ. I also don't think they're completely blaming the organization. Uh, So it's just a tough situation. But you do not need to make it seem like the Browns just tossed him out and without a care in the world because that is just not what happened. And that's really unfair. So just had to say that. Okay, so... um, Now to get into some Browns-specific things, not Super Bowl-related, I want to talk about some stuff for this offseason that we should be thinking about, whether in terms of the draft or free agency, just some of my general thoughts as we're, we're moving into the coming months. We're about one month away right now from free agency opening, so I think those conversations are going to start getting louder and louder as the days get closer to free agency. I believe that opens March 16th, so we are slowly getting there. Um, I think this offseason... One of the main priorities is obviously the wide receiver position that has been talked about a lot. Um, And there's a couple different ways I think we can go about this. I think one thing that we're going to probably do is look to um, either get rid of Jarvis or restructure his contract because he's supposed to be making about $16 million this coming season. And I think we can all agree that Jarvis is not playing $16 million worth. Um, And I love Jarvis. Uh, I'd be interested to see what a restructure would look like. And if Jarvis is interested in that, if he wants to be back in Cleveland, I have no idea. Um, But if not, I think we're definitely going to look at the wide receiver free agent market. Um, As I kind of mentioned earlier, when I was on the OBR film breakdown with with Jake Burns, we talked about some free agents. And um, the couple ones I brought up here that 
or brought up there that I'm super interested in still are Christian Kirk, DJ Shark, and Cedric Wilson for a couple guys I think we could target in free agency to help fill out our wide receiver room. Um, they're May, uh, Christian Kirk could be a little bit more expensive. Both DJ Shark and, and Cedric Wilson, I think, are going to be more on the affordable side. Um, Cedric Wilson was someone on the Cowboys this past season who got a lot of extra snaps than I think he expected due to injuries with the Cowboys. Um, so I think uh, we saw really great things from him and could maybe get him on a more affordable deal. So that would definitely be something I could be interested in. Christian Kirk, uh, is kind of a guy who's good at a lot of things. He's not like a, a top, top, top tier talent at at any one thing, but he is good at a lot, which is what we need, I think, in a receiver because maybe star receivers that are really only good at one thing don't work in this offense. Uh, so I think he's someone who could, who could fit really well. Um, but beyond free agency, which I'm not as interested in as I am interested in drafting a receiver. I would like to draft a receiver at pick 13 without a doubt in my mind. I think that is how we should be using that. Obviously, my number one who I've said on this podcast many times, Garrett Wilson, if he is on the board, the Cleveland Browns should draft Garrett Wilson. Um, If not, Drake London is someone else I'm interested in from USC, but those are my top two guys, and I really think we need to take a receiver with that pick. Of course, there's a possibility that we go maybe – uh, defensive tackle or something, or I, I don't know what position, and then take a wide receiver later in the draft. Um, but it feels like with the talent that is in this draft class, we need to take a receiver at 13. Um, I mentioned their defensive tackle briefly, but uh, definitely something we need to look at filling out, whether that is with the draft or free agency. Um, I'm also interested to see what Conklin's status is going to be, because that could have event or potentially um, change what we do this offseason or in the draft with offensive line because uh, he once he went down with his injury there was a clear gap and a clear hole in our line and something that I think we're going to need to address uh, if he is going to be back to 100 then maybe we don't need to address it as much but uh, there were some some big issues there The last thing I want to talk about with the Browns is something that um, I just was tweeting about and a lot of people had a lot of feelings about it, so I wanted to quickly discuss it, and that is in regards to our guy Kevin Stefanski. Uh, So I had tweeted something about the fact that um, if people think that Kevin Stefanski is the main problem, that he should no longer be calling plays, and that that was why we were um, underperforming this season. And um, I disagree with that for sure. And I have to say, I don't think Kevin Stefanski was perfect. I, I was critical on this very podcast at certain moments of his play, of his play calling throughout the season. But um, I think scapegoating Kevin Stefanski as the reason that we underperformed uh, is a serious problem. And that's just a way of ignoring all of the other things that we do need to improve upon that have nothing to do with Kevin Stefanski. I talked about this a few weeks ago, but uh, the job of the play the job of the play caller is to get people open, and Kevin Stefanski did that time and time again. Um, and unfortunately, our offense was not able to execute to the level um, that is needed. Uh, even just thinking about all the drops this season that were so frustrating, uh, that is not Kevin Stefanski's fault. And it's really hard to get your offense moving when you have guys making mistakes like that all the time. 
or just having Baker injured and extremely limited in what he was able to do, it's really hard to call plays in that scenario. Uh, The other thing people kind of blame him for is uh, not running the ball as much as they would have liked. Um, And I don't feel like we didn't run the ball. Nick Chubb had the second most rushing yards of any player in the NFL this season. Um, Chubb and Hunt only played seven games together, uh, which I think people forget as well. A lot of people are like, let's get them both out on the field together. And and I would love that, but we just really didn't have the opportunity to to do that with uh, Kareem Hunt's injury. There were COVID issues, uh, just a lot of things this weekend that were outside factors that did not allow our offense to be what we wanted it to be. And I think Kevin, of course, made some mistakes, but did the best with what he had. Uh, And that was a very limited offense that could not do a lot. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that goes this season. If we can be healthier, get a couple extra pieces, a couple better receivers. I'm not sure what we're going to do at tight end. I'd like to maybe give Austin Hooper the boot, re-sign Njoku, um, but we'll see what happens uh, if we can be a little bit healthier. Uh, But I don't want to put all of this on Kevin Stefanski because I feel like that's when when teams are at their lowest is when they're just blaming the play calling for everything and not the guys actually out on the field playing the game and executing those plays. Uh, Because, I mean, look at even in the Super Bowl, Most people do not think Zach Taylor is like some phenomenal head coach that uh, really elevated the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow was a guy that just overcame so much. He, his connection with Jamar Chase, they would just make plays happen out of nothing. Uh, The way he was able to get rid of the ball a lot of times, even though, of course, he was sacked quite a bit. Um, He was still pretty smart in general. uh, And we just didn't have an offense that was over able to overcome the the issues we had this season uh so let's just try to lay off Kevin Stefanski a little he was the coach of year coach of the year one year ago uh so I think we we need to lay off a little bit and give him a moment all right well that is all I have for you guys today um I'm starting to stumble over my words because it's getting late so I'm gonna cut things off here but um thanks for listening Uh, please leave a rating or a review as always. I I really appreciate those. Been still seeing more and it's always nice to see. So thank you for that. Um, Looking forward to All-Star Weekend and everything to come with what is going to happen this NFL offseason. I'm I'm sad football's over, but we are happy it happened. Lucky to have watched it. And hopefully the Browns can bounce back next year and, and be a playoff team again. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Go Browns.